0: In 2006, I went to visit my mother in the Midwest, right before my 40th birthday, and I got together with a couple high school friends for a barbecue, and and we were at the swimming pool in the apartment complex. You know, one thing led to another. It it became doing backflips off the side of the swimming pool into the water, and I went running along the side of the pool, and I dove in towards the shallow end. Well, matter of fact, the very shallow end, and... I remember striking the bottom with the upper left part of my head. It was just this enormous bang. It was as if someone just stuck two you know, sticks of dynamite in my ears, and my, my head exploded. I remember coming out of the water and reaching immediately for my ears because I thought my ears were bleeding i couldn 't hear anything, so I, I absolutely had no no understanding of what was going on and I guess I made it towards the edge of the pool and when I got to the edge of the pool, I collapsed and they pulled me out onto the um, to the concrete, and I went unconscious. I don't, I don't remember anything after hitting my head, but they took me to the emergency room and I was diagnosed with a major concussion with no bleeding. They sent me home to my mom's house and I slept for about four days. I remember waking up on the fifth morning, my neck was sore. My head was pretty swelled up in that upper area. My eyes were blackened. And I knew my hearing wasn't right. And I I didn't know at that time that I had lost almost half of the hearing from the impact in my left side. Everything was dampened. But I felt reasonably okay, just a little beat up. That evening I went over to my best friend Rick's house and I went over to visit him and he's got a little studio and he was playing his guitar and so he sat down to take a break. And I had this incredibly strange, bizarre feeling that I simply needed to go sit down at that little keyboard he had up there. I've never really been a a musician, but it was just, it felt right. So I went over and sat down at it and um, my fingers began to play as, as if I had played pretty much all my life. And this is the very first piece that I ever played. Rick looked at me and I looked at him and I didn't know what to say. I was freaked out. It, what are you supposed to think when you all of a sudden sit down at a piano and you've never touched one and your hands are moving at a, at a rapid pace and doing things that you've never, never even tried? We didn't know what to think. It was like eerie, intense, and at the same time, beautiful. I wasn't sure how to really explain it to my mom. I didn't know how to, re- where to start. So I asked her while we were having a cup of coffee if she would go with me to the, the music store that I would like to show her something. And we jumped in the car and headed over to the music store. We walked in and went over to one of the pianos with my mom. I sat down and I started playing and she started crying. And then the salesman came over and said, how long have you been playing? And I said, well, about five hours. And, of course, he gave me the strangest look like, a, like I was pulling his chain. And my mom sat there crying. I, I, I played for maybe 10, 20 minutes for her. We got up and got in the car, and it was a very quiet drive back to the house. A week, week or two goes by, and I I reached out to Dr. Daryl Treffert, whom was the advisor for the film Rain Man. I was diagnosed with um, acquired musical savant syndrome, which is immediate musical genius or immediate ability. My mind basically creates a pattern of black and white squares that almost go in like a ticker tape in a circle. So these black and white squares are my brain's musical notation. For some reason, those black and white squares tell my hands where to go. So I don't capture all of them, there's there's absolutely no way to. They're going at a pace that is so intense that I, I can grab and display some of it but certainly not all of it the doctors refer to this as synesthesia those black and white squares dictate what i play i have no control of what what comes next i have no idea what those notes are going to be so sometimes it's pop and sometimes it's rock and sometimes it's beethoven-ish From my understanding, there's about 30 acquired savants on the planet, and I'm the only one to be an acquired musical savant from a brain injury. Before the accident, I was a pretty typical aggressive. Business person. I was making great money. i go to work and chase the almighty dollar, and then I'd come home and go to bed and do it all over again the next day. But after the accident, because of all the attention I was getting, I just didn't. I never went back to corporate America. It's a challenging road when you just walk away from your job and, and think you're going to become a, a superstar because of a gift the next day. It doesn't quite happen like that. It's been the financial struggle and it's been brutal. I have a 1984 Winnebago. Little did I know it would become my, my shelter for, well, quite a while. I was homeless. I didn't have any running water and no heat and I ate nuts and dried fruit and tuna that comes in those little foil bags. You know, you start to second guess yourself and you say, am I being selfish? Am I, Am I chasing a dream? with a gift that may not possibly pay your bills. It's a bit intense when when doctors and the world start putting a title on you that, that is so profound. And, you know, just because you fall into the title of a savant doesn't mean you're the best piano player on the planet. They're, my skills are above average, maybe, but I've never known how to read music. I still don't get it. It just makes absolutely no sense. I, I can't even get a grasp where a C or a D or an E should be on the piano. I I can hear the tone. I just can't, I can't show you where it is. I'm just able to, to take what I'm seeing being produced in my mind and make some sense of it with my hands. People call me and say they wanted me to get involved with their charities. I go in and I do like um, like a 40 or a 70 minute storyteller set. I, I play a little, I talk, but the the work I get is sporadic and when I get invited to, to perform or speak or what have you. There's a price tag on everything we do in this lifetime and I get overwhelmed and overstimulated. and. Sometimes I'm just exhausted and I go into my little space where I feel okay. And that's usually in the studio. That's my comfort zone. You know, I get asked often what it would be like if, if I wake up tomorrow and if it's not here. And and uh, when I sit down at the piano, or, you know, it, it's always a surprise. So I, I live in the moment and I think I'm going to continue to live in the moment because... That's what brings me joy. Yes, that happened. But please, 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 please do not try to reproduce this effect at home. Some of the music for that piece, including the song you just heard, was played by Derek Amado himself. If you want to hear more of Derek's music, we've got links on our website, snapjudgment.org. That piece was sound designed by Pat Masidi Miller and produced by Anna Sussman. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.